0: Welcome to the Artelligence Podcast. I'm Marian Mannaker and we're going to explore the mysteries of the global art market. Bloomberg's art market reporter, James Tarmi went to Art Basel this year to cover the fair. He filed a story about the increasing number of $20 million paintings on the stands. After he returned, he got on the phone and spoke to us. James Tarmy, you're back from Art Basel. I hope you had a good trip. I had a great trip. Thank you.
1: You know, the the thing is that there are a couple of days of um, quote-unquote VIP previews where it seems like the majority of the uh, sale take place, right? As opposed to a couple of other art fairs, which we don't need to name, that are really one-day fairs, Um, it seems like the engagement with the art over the couple of days that I was there by collectors was a little bit more spread out, and given the prices that were being asked, it sort of makes sense, you know, if you're going to be purchasing something that's over a couple million dollars, you might want to chew on it for a little while. There were instances of various galleries doing a complete rehang after the first day, which is usually a pretty good indicator that they'd sold most of what they'd put up on the first day.
0: I want to unpack that for a second. First, the great myth we have established in 2005 and six 2006, so the fantastic stories of people piling up at the glass doors, or Philippe Segalot putting on a, a costume and a disguise to get in early to to look at the stands uh, is really outdated, especially now when the leading galleries are sending out packing lists uh, to their best uh, clients and even to the press now, so that rush of first sales and maybe that rehang you just described could easily be someone saying, you know, we staged all these sales, we had it up uh, for good show on the first day, now we're gonna hang the stuff we actually need to sell, not the stuff that was sold before we got here. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is that it's difficult to uh,
1: generalize. I will say that there was a crowd of at least 300 people waiting to get in at the opening hours of uh, the first VIP day. And I think that really what it comes down to is not even an artist-by-artist artist market analysis, but a gallery-by-gallery gallery analysis. Insofar so far as some people have super strong relationships with their collectors and have really pretty aggressively pre-sold a lot of what they brought. Um, And other people were kind of going in with maybe preliminary conversations or blind and hoping that something came out of it. And I think that the real spread was visible not in the prices, but in the various galleries' abilities to actually set things up in advance. And that's always true. But uh, in art fairs, but when you're dealing with very, very expensive um, price ranges, um, it becomes a starker
0: contrast. Can you just... Go Does that make through? sense? Yeah, yes, that makes sense. But And I think it's important that we act like all 290 or 500 participating galleries around the world at Art Basel do business in the exact same way when I'm sure that they do business in 290 different ways. And and, right. and, and I don't mean to be so cynical. I, I presume one of the reasons they go to the great expense and trouble of transporting that art to the fair is that it may be sold under an agreement but pending actual inspection or a final gut check. Mm-hmm. And so you you need to bring the art. There, you need to have the collector uh, or the advisor or both in front of the the work to, you know, feel confident that it's uh, a time to, you know, let the um, the wire transfer go through. There is so much going on in the fair that many people who now are able to see or hear of things before the fair will want to take a little time while they're there or i mean there's there's certainly a lot more going on than just what's at the the stands there's uh, uh, museum shows around basel there's the gallery dinners with with artists i i presume those all have an effect on very few making-
1: artists actually mostly um, Basel is one of the one of the places where you you basically see no artists um, and almost exclusively collectors and advisors and a few journalists at these dinners. Um, you know that people really don't bother shipping in shipping in their artists. I mean there are exceptions of course, but but yeah no. I mean your your point is your point is well taken, and I think the important thing to remember is that if you kind of Take all of the kind of hand wringing and whining about the costs associated with fairs with a significant grain of salt. You can acknowledge that all these galleries have to do is sell one piece, even if it's on consignment, and their net is relatively slim to cover the majority of their costs, and then everything else is pretty much cash. Um, Again this is a generalization. But I think fundamentally, people like people love to complain about our fairs. But like the fact is that they're still going and they're still doing it. And they're doing it for a reason. It's just because they don't like spending all this money doesn't mean that it's not worthwhile for them.
0: Well, one of the reasons they go is that showing at that fair, being admitted, since it's a, a vetted, juried fair, is a seal of approval. I mean, there are precious few art galleries in the world that can get into Art Basel and Basel Switzerland.
1: No question. And that seal approval has tangible financial benefit. it's a market that might not do so well for some people, but it does well enough for everyone who participates that they'll they'll come back if they can.
0: You could almost think that the presence of small handpicked galleries among these giants of the industry is something of a subsidy of reputation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Or I mean... Also, like, I mean, there are so many ways that you can consider things to be marketing expenses, but um, given that most galleries aren't doing a, a heavy amount of advertising, um, you know, the fact that they're they're in front of the only people that matter is is certainly. Certainly, a a pretty good investment. Uh, Though, of course, again, we're we're talking about Basel in ways that sort of presuppose that there are there aren't necessarily immediate sales that would come out of it. And I'm not sure that that's true. You know, when I report fares, I try not to spend too much time hearing about sale prices, just because it's very difficult to verify. And oftentimes, um, let's say that. Are, are are skewed slightly in an effort to change the perception of the value of artworks. Let's say, if we're being very generous. So instead, what's what's much more interesting to me, at least, is actually what dealers are actually asking for the works, um, because that seems to be a pretty good indicator um, as to kind of what they think they can get, or at least what they can, what they can say they're asking for without sounding ridiculous. And as I wrote about, and which I, I Really, kind of found to be true, even as the week uh, wore on, was that people were bringing works that had an extremely high sale price, um, kind of across the board, and that historically, basically, Basel was a place where very, very expensive work was has always been sold, and people, re- I mean, there's there's the, the kind of the maxim that people see is their best word for Basel. Whether or not that's true, people definitely bring much more expensive work than to other art fairs. Um, That said, as I said in this piece that I wrote, um, it wasn't just one $10 million piece that might sell, but really uh, many booths full of a million dollar two million three million dollar plus artworks which which felt um, to many of the people with whom i spoke and and to myself like a a pretty novel occurrence and and the the reasons for that um which i didn 't really get into in my piece, but the reasons for that are are myriad and speculative, but I think that there is in whatever way um, a real reticence to spend. I don't know between five hundred and a million- five hundred thousand dollars and a million because that's a lot of money for virtually everyone, but there's oftentimes very little from a an empirical market perspective to justify that price in a way that would indicate that that price is, is stable in whatever way. There isn't tons of secondary market comparables that would kind of justify the price being $600,000 as opposed to $200,000, you know? And, and that extra $400,000 means something to a lot of people, especially if they they aren't billionaires.
0: I think that even billionaires like to keep Score and no one wants to (laughs) buy something on at the fair for 600 and hear about or see it trading 18 months later at 200 no matter how much money they have and and i suspect too i mean i think that's an excellent point that there's this volatile mid level of pricing that is hard to get right generally when you're asking 20 million dollars for a work of art it has to be plausible and whether you sell that work of art or not it's important to have those things on the stand there seem to be a number of galleries important galleries that have a global clientele that bring Mm their most valuable art to art fairs, uh, whether they sell it or not isn't nearly as important as sort of showing the art that they have that begins a conversation that might allow them to sell something else, but the price of admission is understanding that they have works of this level and quality.
1: You know, it was it was also interesting to kind of see the buyers who were coming in, and it was interesting to kind of see the, I mean, again, this is an anecdotal um, impression just, uh, but, but the kind of demographics, you know, there were some Americans, not a ton, a lot of European Europeans, almost no British. Um, a few dealers were talking about how even a bunch of the very, very big British collectors didn't actually show up. And then what everyone was, or not everyone, what a lot of people remarked on was the profusion of very young, spectacularly wealthy um, Asian clients who people saw um, walking around the fair. And that seemed to feel Pretty new for a lot of people, and um, was was quite encouraging, and and also the the levels at which they were buying um, really kind of leapfrogged over the middle market that we are talking about. Um, and I, again, this is anecdotal, but it really seems like people were kind of coming in at an extremely high price point, like six million plus, um, who kind of fit that that description, which which again is quite surprising.
0: Meaning that's the first thing they buy is a six million dollar work of art? Exactly.
1: Yeah. Or at least the first thing I'm told that they buy um by their advisors or whoever. Remember is that is that Basel is a Basel is a fair where people can bring their advisors and other people can bring their clients um and and effectively educate them, right? It's a great place um and to show people kind of the art market in miniature um, because it has very strong examples from every sort of segment. You know, you have these um, at Unlimited, um, you have these kind of very dazzling large-scale works, um, and then you have... first floor of the actual convention center you have um very expensive secondary works, um and then on the second floor you have kind of uh galleries that are doing more primary stuff um, at a slightly lower price point um and so you know you get to walk someone through or you have to walk someone through but um and really kind of show them the entire range and that that's that's quite valuable because um you're able to do it in a day whereas otherwise it would require weeks, if not months, of taking this person around who might not necessarily have the time, but taking them around in different galleries and museums and so forth, right? And that's that's the other utility model that that people don't necessarily talk about
0: this isn't a fair where cash on the barrel head is what's mo- most important it's a place where the beginning of a conversation may result in three months six months a year in a sale in the you know high seven or low eight figures uh, and in in that sense as a, a marketing venue it's um peerless for this very small world on on both sides for the new buyers and collectors and, and and we've talked about this in the past you know that that's part of what the auction houses have been doing for the last decade is is acting as an entry point for um new collectors who often want to start mm-hmm. at the top Uh, because it's not impressive to buy, you know, some drawings and small paintings and get your feet wet that way, uh, with the amount of advice and talent and, um, liquidity out there. And by that liquidity, I mean art liquidity. Uh, there are plenty of people who want to be able to get some, you know, impressive painting as the, the first thing that they, they buy. So uh, the, the things sort of match each other in, in an interesting way
1: completely and and i think that also you have to Look at what the market is, or what Basel is, and look at it from a kind of macroeconomic, geopolitical standpoint. Which sounds a little bit pretentious, but um, you you have to just from from a bird's eye view. There's a ton of cash right now, right? There's a, markets globally are doing quite well, and there's an intense amount of instability on a geopolitical level. Um, from from trade to the literal um, pol- like European politics, um, there's 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 a ton of uncertainty, and I think that um, when people are spending money, and and I actually spoke to a couple of European collectors who 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 said variations of this that you know if they're gonna spend six hundred or eight hundred thousand dollars, they might as well spend three million dollars and buy something that they think that they'll be able to sell eventually um if they need to, whereas six hundred thousand dollars is much more of a kind of long term investment. Um and and so it's if 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 you extrapolate from that, and I would again take that with a huge grain of salt, but if you extrapolate from this idea that that people are coming to the art market and they have the money, and in previous years, there might have been a bit of a barrier psychologically or uh, via education between um you know spending what was. A significant amount of money, but not a substantial amount of money. Um, And and now, um, it's it's that there's a certain exigency um, for how people allocate their whatever kind of liquid assets that they have. And and all of a sudden, you can kind of justify going to a higher level. And if you simply look at what dealers. Brought that, that would bear out, right? And, and no one's bringing a bunch of stuff at that level and and just kind of hoping that they all sell right there has to be some indicator that that there's going to be um, a receptive market for it um, and, and and so in that respect um, there there's a tremendous utility to Basel specifically because you have that very rare clientele who have those choices to make um, coming to you and so it's Really, it's not your only shot, but it's a great shot to to be able to um, unload material at a significant price point.
0: Given that context, which makes a great deal of sense, especially the asset a- approach to art. You know, spend more, but know that it's something that's. Consecrated has value; will be saleable. Whether you get eighty percent of your money or one hundred and twenty percent, you'll still be able to get money out of it, as opposed to mm-hmm. buying something uh, where uh, from a young artist without much of a m- market. Where you know, or, or
1: a mid mid tier or late career artist who just doesn't necessarily have an insanely robust secondary market. Right. Anyway, sorry.
0: No, no, good. But so, given that context. We are hearing two very different things. The New York Times led its report saying the art market was uh, fleeing to safety among blue chip artists and refers to the Joan Mitchell market as evidence of that, which is interesting because jo- Joan Mitchell is obviously a very valuable artist, but has always been treated as undervalued second tier because there's a bias against her historically as a woman painter. You know, We may be addressing that bias, but we still have some ways to go. So one could say that that's part of what's driving that, but the rest of what we're hearing in terms of sale reports is not necessarily for, um, uh, Jeff Koons, Damien Hirst, uh, uh, abstract expressionists—you uh, know all sorts of Roy Lichtenstein. You know pop artists of one. You know not not these kinds of asset artists that you know you can sell. They they seem to be. They may have been on the stands. I mean I know that there was a very expensive de Kooning that's been on a couple of different um, uh, art fair stands at one of the uh, booths uh, that was there. So they they those works may have been on on. The the stands, but we didn't hear uh, in the many sales reports that we all see much about those kinds of works uh, selling. Let me put it this way
1: anytime that you are describing spending a tremendous amount of money on an artwork as leading to safety, you are getting yourself in trouble. It's not Easy to sell any art at all, and if it was, these fairs wouldn't exist. They are proof that there is there is very little safety um, because they have to, people have to do an extraordinary amount of legwork and investment to sell artworks. Period.
0: That's an excellent. That's one.
1: Point. Two. Um, the idea of people somehow leaving one market and going to another is also a very, very tricky thing because I'm not so sure that's true. And the idea of fleeing to safety would imply that droves of collectors are up and leaving um, somehow kind of uh, younger artists who might not necessarily be proven. And I think all we have to do is look at the success of... um, figurative black artists to see that that is absolutely not the case because you look at someone like Intradica Cosby, who is who is not exactly old and who hasn't really been producing a ton of art for a very long period of time, and yet she is t- commanding tremendous prices. Um, and there are many examples um, of that uh, phenomenon to uh, that we can point to. So this idea that simultaneously everyone is Trying to buy a debuffet or nothing um, is 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 pretty silly because we have we have some a, a lot of empirical evidence to the contrary. Simultaneously, um, I I think that you know the the, the people who generally seem to be complaining about um, a desertion of whatever mid-tier that, that is perceived to exist or perceived to be shaky are the people who who might have paid too much money for something at the beginning or who are asking for something too much um, right now. Um, and, you know, the thing is that there's a tremendous churn rate in the art world and there's a tremendous attrition rate in the art world. And the idea that people who are totally immersed in it a.k.a. so-called collectors as opposed to people who are merely buying art. Um, the idea that they are not sticking with a single artist for a 30-year period of time and instead are kind of moving around and trying new things doesn't mean that there's people that are fleeing anything or dropping any sort of tear. It means that, well... The art world is trend based and trends are fundamentally ephemeral and therefore there are going to be new things going on, um, constantly and, and there really isn't necessarily a lot of tremendously compelling, um, artists in the range that people are saying that is currently kind of being very shaky. Um, so, is is does does this does this mean that people are somehow um deserting it or does it mean that the market isn't actually meeting um collector demand? And and I think that you have to weigh those two things very carefully before you describe any sort of like broader movement towards um mid twentieth century works or nothing.
0: The other artist who seemed to make a fair number of sales, or at least that were reported, uh, is Sam Gilliam, who also was the subject of a show uh, in the museum in Basel uh, as well as uh, had a big piece at Unlimited. and It seemed to sort of create that kind of effect of, you know, here's a historically important Artist, uh, uh, still working but in his 80s, uh, perceived to be uh, undervalued, uh, having a great moment.
1: Completely. And is that a
0: flight to safety? I think
1: not. Great Pangelium. Absolutely. Um, I really work and I thought that the installation that Kordansky had um at uh Unlimited was really nice. It was a new it was it was a kind of it was a room and it was a new work by Gilliam. Um and it was these kind of flowing sort of tapestries that came down from the ceiling um that you kind of had to lock around and believe it sold um though so I'm not sure um for a little more than a million dollars, right? Again. That's not a flight to safety. That's a significant amount of money. In today's relatively skewed market, that constitutes the upper end of the mid tier. And yet, that sort of thing uh, had a lot of people who were interested in it. So, um, I, I think to describe any sort of like overall um, collector or market momentum um, away from things is to really ignore a lot of contradictory evidence. Let's put it that way.
0: The other show around was at the uh, Baylor Foundation, the uh, bacon. It herb. Jo- it was so good. It sounds on,
1: you know, if you read on paper, it's kind of like a bit of a yawn, right? Um, but it was like really, really excellent. A ton of absolutely gorgeous bacons that you had, that excuse me. that I had. No idea, really, about um, and it and it makes you realize that I mean in so many kind of vivid colors, these like wonderful lime greens and really kind of gorgeous reds. And it it, it for, for me, you know, beyond actually just kind of loving the show, it sort of made me realize that what was the the things that kind of consistently come to market, which are just um, kind of. Black and red paintings are not necessarily representative of Fazool, and there's a lot of really wonderful stuff out there. Maybe not on the market, but a lot of wonderful stuff out there.
0: Well, that's um, what that's and, what I was and, trying to raise. Is oh, did, you, did you see in the fair a lot of Giacomettis or Bacon's, which uh, in in other periods of time you would have seen on on multiple stands, uh, various. Twenty, thirty, 30, and uh, uh, up to God knows how many millions of uh, uh, works by both those artists, but it doesn't sound like there was much around. God, I don't think I did.
1: Um, and and uh, apologies if I missed something, but I really don't remember seeing
0: either of them. Um, it may be because no one's selling. I mean, it could be a bunch of different things, but it's interesting to or me. Or it could be
1: that they don't need to bring it to a Basel booth to sell it, right? Um, you That's know, a good point. Let, let's let's not forget that you know if you don't have to bring it to Basel, you're not going to.
0: So, two other quick questions before I let you go. One. Someone who works for Grigosi and said publicly that uh, the thing that we all miss is that in past years, private foundations would swoop down and, you know, empty a booth and make a dealer's uh, fair. And that wasn't happening this past week. Uh, Is that something you've heard anything about or aware of uh, in any way? First of all, the short
1: answer is no. Um, No no one was talking about that in Anyway maybe just not to me um, but the actually though so I, I know of two instances where I know people with foundations purchase things so maybe they just weren't buying from a Um but uh, the slightly longer and admittedly more speculative uh, answer is that that you need to go back to the type of Political and economic instability that we're seeing um, to find a relatively straightforward answer right um, you know a lot of people have written a lot about what um, the new tax laws in the United States are doing to kind of impact uh the incentivization for um, kind of foundations to spend money on art and I'm I at least have not seen or read or at least do not know about anyone who said that the new tax laws are great um for 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 people who would like to um write off um the purchase of a painting so I think that in a sense is is, is could could be one relatively straightforward answer, but you know the thing is that there are a lot of foundations in the world um and a lot of them have very active acquisition budgets
0: and then the second thing is at the beginning of the fair, while plenty of sales were announced, you also heard from from fairgoers that there there wasn't a frenzy of activity and that you could get a you know a good deal on uh, uh, the asking price of, of a work and But as the fair went on, we started to hear stronger clacks from the various galleries uh, both uh sort of touting the individual sales that uh seemed uh uh, either you know overpriced from from what we knew from recent auctions or uh you know uh, slightly too good to be true and then towards the end we started hearing publicly people talking about how how great sales were. And that may just be, you know, the way it filters out, or it may be that, you know, the, the gallerists who have a, a, a strong interest in uh, saying all fairs are the best ever, um, uh, are, you know, sort of, uh, rallying around, uh, the fair. I was just wondering what your impression was both of the sales themselves, but also of the, you know, the, the mood making going on.
1: So, again, I would say that I am personally very skeptical of galleries' sales reports and would suggest that everyone should be um, similarly skeptical. Um, Not insofar as I think that they're full of lies, but I think that it's um, easy to kind of modify – let's put it this way – no dealer has an incentive to state the actual price that they actually sold the work for um, as opposed to the price that they initially asked to sell the work for. Um, And so uh, I I really hesitate to say anything about sales because I think that the only people who you can really um, successfully... Um, get an honest answer from the people who actually spent the money and they don't want to talk about that publicly Um, I would also say that um, what's important to remember is that the majority of the works that are on sale at Basel are on consignment and uh, the majority, not all of them Um, and we're we're talking about secondary stuff right? upstairs where there's um, primary stuff where uh, artists um, have relationships or are signed with galleries, obviously that's a different story. but um when we're talking about secondary market works, the majority of these things are in consignment and um a dealer has to simultaneously um manage the, the buyer's expectations and also the seller's expectations and so sellers oftentimes look at um recorded sales prices and Imagine that they can get something for their work that they can't necessarily. So um, there is a negotiation in many instances um, where the dealer initially has to say that the work is for a certain dollar amount when in reality, Everyone knows, with the exception of the seller, who very soon realizes that they're not going to sell it for that for that initial asking price. so at the beginning of the fair, if people are being a little bit more hesitant about um crowing about kind of super fast sales, that's probably because in many instances they are in the process of negotiating what the actual sale might be and and don't want to put the cart before the horse that's the most generous that's the most generous um Interpretation. I think that if you ask anyone how everything is going as they're panicking about something or in the the first 48 hours of their uh, kind of desperate attempt to move hundreds of millions of dollars worth of art from these major booths, um, you're going to get a different answer than from when someone takes. Um, a moment to step back and take stock. That that can go either way, right? Um, people can be either more positive or less positive um, as they as as the dust settles and they kind of figure out how much money they've actually made. I would I would also say that a lot of people like to complain about art fairs. Um, a lot of dealers like to complain about art fairs, but it's never a good look to say that you went to the most expensive and prestigious art fair on the planet and weren't able to close anything there is definitely going to be bias towards optimism um, when it comes to the optics of looking like you are a serious player.
0: Well, it's also true that buyers have no incentive to refute the asking price versus the price they actually paid. No one, it gets hurt if if the word is around that they paid uh, uh, 20 or 30% more than what they did, because it's a reference point if they ever want to sell it, and of course they feel like they, you know, got a deal. uh, So it it, it, it makes all the sense. But uh, I was as much mm-hmm. asking about just this sense of sort of volume and the general sort of tone in the market. You know, we're recording this just after um, one of the Impressionist and Modern sales in uh, London, which, uh, you know, didn't go uh, terribly well. And one question is – <laughs> Well, uh, But one of the questions in, in my mind is, have we entered a phase where the market is shifting towards the private market? And if the what what people are saying about Basel is true, if we take it at face value, that may be indeed be what what's happening. That you know prices are relatively or, or stable. Let's let's, let's let's also just
1: consider the fact that we have just seen the largest art fair um, of the year take place, where people spent immense sums of money. I think that if you then imagine. An auction that comes a couple of days later. A lot of people have already spent a lot of money, right? They're they're not necessarily inclined to spend even more um, so soon afterwards, no matter what. Um, but but in terms of the overall timbre of things, um, I can only speak from what I actually saw and the people who I talked to, and I think a lot of booths did, a lot of dealers did very well, um, and the ones who didn't do very well did fine. Um which is really a best case scenario from from a market perspective. You know, um it, it really it, it it did not seem like fluff um for from some of the the, the bigger dealers. Um they they really seem to be selling quite a lot. Um and, and for for some of the smaller ones there were they they also had a really, really good fare. So um you know, if you were to go off of Basel, I would say that and if you were to go off of what I saw at Basel, I think the art market is doing just fine. Now is that an indicator as to how the art market will continue to do? Well, obviously, past performance is no indicator of future results, and nowhere is that more true than in a place um, where uh, value is almost entirely perception-based.
0: There is nothing more to say. I am nonplussed, and so I will say thank you. Thank you so
1: much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Intelligence Podcast. Visit us at artmarketmonitor.com.